welcome to a very special edition of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And as stated at the outset, this is a very, very special edition of Stamper Cinema. And mm, I don't really want to hype it too much because it's really not that special. It's just going to be me. Um, I said it's just going to be me. Originally, this was supposed to be an episode of something entirely different. Uh, unfortunately, times have been kind of tricky and complicated and unfortunate uh, within the Stamper Cinema family. Obviously, as you, well, not obviously, but you may know that I recently lost my father earlier this year, but which obviously thank you very much for all the support that you've given me. But even more recently, my wife recently lost her uncle, John. And um, we are headed to Dallas, Texas for, for his funeral. Now, admittedly, I only met her uncle a couple times, but I will say he was pretty damn awesome. And it's, uh, it's a real bummer. And, um, you know, 2022 definitely has no chill with, uh, with taking, um, taking, taking men way too early. And so my heart uh, goes out to everybody in uh, the, the Boyd family. And um, yeah, so anyway, at the, at the time of this publishing, as you may be listening to it, I'm probably boarding or just landing on a plane, boarding on a plane, landing on a plane, something. Anyway, um, anyway, at the, at the time of publishing, I'm basically en route to a, uh, into a funeral, specifically John, uh, John Boyd, who, um, really, really, really remarkable man. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's a real shame that, that, that he's gone way, way too soon. So thoughts to, everybody in the in the Boyd family he was pretty fucking incredible pardon my French but um originally I was prepared to talk about Batman with with Johnny Bones you know Johnny Bones but obviously due to the timeline of everything that just wasn't possible so I still wanted to do something so you're just going to get essentially a, a rant uh, from me and I hope that's okay I have an idea of what I want to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea how this is all going to turn out, but it's kind of like a little low budget. Think of it as a bottle episode, if you will. Uh, one of the the most famous of all television tropes, right? You know, when I say famous television trope, I mean, shit, there are literally hundreds of different television tropes out there. But of all the tropes out there, bottle episodes are probably... Mm, thinking, thinking, yeah, no, bottle episodes are definitely my favorite of all the tropes. And at this point, before I get ahead of myself, I've, I've referenced tropes several times. So just make sure that we're all on the same page. Essentially, a trope in film or television is simply just a common convention that is used uh, enough to be recognized by regular viewers. Like, for example, if, if we're talking films like rom-coms, right, the, the, the running scene, a running scene, for example, like when Harry met Sally, like when Harry is literally running after Sally. Uh, another rom-com, Jerry Maguire, that, that scene where Jerry Maguire is literally running toward uh, Bridget, uh, Bridget Jones. Although, shit, Bridget Jones, that's, there's another rom-com where there's a running scene, but uh, um, Jerry Maguire where he's running after Renee Zellweger. But let's try maybe a different, a different 
genre, so not rom-coms, which obviously are known for the running scene. How about a horror film? You know, where they've got the uh, the running scene uh, where <laughs> where a victim is running from the killer, i.e. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Scream, shit, every single slasher film where you've got a victim running away from the killer and somehow like the killer is still like gaining on the victim. Uh, recently, the movie Freaky did it really well. So you got the running scene in horror films. Let me think of another genre. Um, how about action scenes? What do we have? What's a popular trope? Well, there's the running scene in, in action films where the, the bad guys are chasing the good guys. Sometimes it's a car chase or sometimes it's quite literally on feet like or on foot, like um, Pulp Fiction or Hot Fuzz. So you got the, the running scene. Wait, running scene, running scene. Okay, so these are all running scenes. So let me try a different genre. Um, what else do we have? Oh, how about sports films? You know, like baseball or basketball or running movies where there's literally the running scenes in those where it's kind of often done in slow motion. Chariots of Fire comes to mind. Rocky comes to mind. Major League. Okay, so, all right. So basically films use tropes all the time. And probably one of the most common tropes in cinema is the running scene. But anyway, television, now that I've gotten kind of like on a, a, a little adventure, this is going to be a fun episode. I don't know. Maybe you're already tired of listening to my, uh, my, my neuroses at this point. But anyway, television, you've got hundreds of different types of tropes, right? So let me think. Uh, yeah, like the monsters of the week, right? Like you'd have different monsters each week. You'd see those like on the X-Files or the Outer Limits or Star Trek or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? So you have those monsters of the week. You have crossover episodes where you'd have, you'd be watching one show, but you'd be getting a character from a different show appearing on that show. So let me think, uh, Ally McBeal did it. They, they had people from the practice onto their show. The Simpsons have done it in the past. I think there was an episode where you had like Simpsons and South Park characters on the same show. I know The Simpsons also brought The Critic. If you guys remember The Critic, shit, nobody remembers The Critic but me. But there was a TV show in the 90s called The Critic, and uh, it started John Lovitz, and John Lovitz appeared on an episode of The Simpsons. Uh, what else? I'm sure Happy Days did it. But anyway, you take a character from one show and he'd appear on another show, so that was a very common trope. Uh, what else do we have? Holiday episodes, which you'd see on every single 90s sitcom. Right. I, I shit. I mean, when it comes to holiday episodes, every single holiday, when I think of uh, home improvement, right, whether it was Halloween, whether it was Christmas, whether it was, I don't know, Easter, they covered all the holidays on those and a lot of the uh, the 90s shows. But it wasn't just 90s. Right. Because what it was um, the office. Right. They, they were notorious for for holiday episodes. They did Christmas shit. I think they even they did. What is it? Diwali. They've done that. So holiday episodes are a very common trope. I, you see where this is going, right? I mean, they're just different, different little whatevers. Uh, you'd have alternate reality episodes where if this character did that, right? That was something that friends were really big into. So you'd have those episodes where if Ross would have done this or if they never would have dated or if Monica had never lost her weight, right? So there, there were all those episodes where she was a little bit heavier. So they'd have those alternate reality episodes. Um, what else do we have? 
standalone episodes. Basically, a standalone episode would be like, it's kind of like a bottle episode where it, it's kind of its own separate entity, but a standalone episode would be just kind of wonky, but you get the idea of what the show is really kind of like all about. So in the terms of, hmm, it's always sunny in uh, Philadelphia, the, um, the serial defense episode, right? Where everybody was doing kind of like different little trials. Uh, Matt tried to convince everybody that evolution was fake. Um, Charlie was a, was an attorney and basically had like these different little things going on it, but it kind of explained that the show, again, it's very, very similar to a bottle episode, which I'm going to get to in a second. But, uh, if you ever watch the X-Files, Jose Chung's from outer space was kind of a standalone comedy episode. But anyway, I go on and on and on, but that's all just to bring it back to a bottle episode, which I used to kind of call like a one-off episode, but it's a term that's been, that was coined decades ago, but essentially a bottle episode is kind of like a often low budget, cheaply filmed episode where you're using just a few of the regular cast members and you're minimizing the amount of uh, sets or effects uh, as much as possible, quite frankly. Um, sometimes you'd see them like shot on a set that was built for other episodes and, but they, they would just like mitigate a lot of the stuff. And sometimes they would do that because they ran out of financing or a script they were going to do. It fell through and they had to do something on very, very short notice. Right. So you get this, this, this term that they call a bottle episode. Well, originally it was called a bottle, a bottle show. And it was coined in the sixties by the guy that created the outer limits. And he called it a bottle show. And that guy was uh, Leslie Stevens. And he said for an episode made in very little time at very little cost, as in pulling an episode right out of a bottle, like a genie, right? So basically the whole idea of a bottle episode is a genie, uh, like a genie lamp, right? You're, you're, you're just pulling something right out of a, a genie bottle. Now, the the first term, or rather the first time bottle episode was really used was for this TV show, which admittedly I've never heard of. It was a TV show called The Last Ship. And the phrase was coined in 2003. So I don't even really know where I'm at, but to bring it on home, that's what this episode is going to be all about. We're going to be doing a Stanford Cinema bottle episode. And I'm going to be talking about some of my favorite bottle episodes, maybe a top five, maybe a top 10. I don't know. I've got a bunch in my head. But if you're wondering, well, what are some other examples of bottle episodes? Well, shit. Okay. Um, Y'all remember a little TV show is called Seinfeld, uh, kind of a big comedy by big comedy. It's probably arguably the biggest comedy sitcom of all time. Well, early in its inception, there was a there was one particular episode called The Chinese Restaurant. And you might say it's the most famous, not necessarily the, the greatest, but probably the most famous bottle episode ever. And in that episode, the entire episode takes place in a Chinese restaurant while Jerry and the gang are are waiting for their table. And they go and talk to the, the host and he let them know that they're always like five to ten minutes away. Meanwhile, he's calling other people for their table. And 
the gang is growing imp- uh, like increasingly impatient because like Elaine is super hungry. Can't remember all the arcs, but it just takes place in the entire restaurant and they finally get frustrated and they leave the restaurant and the episode ends with the host calling Seinfeld party of four or five or whatever it was. So you have that episode. Another famous bottle episode. Um, I mentioned one of the most famous, which is obviously the Chinese restaurant, but arguably the greatest bottle episode is an episode from the Sopranos. It was called Pine Barrens. And in that episode, you had, who was it? You had Polly and Christopher, right? Yeah, Polly and Christopher, right? So Polly Walnuts and Christopher essentially take this, I believe he's like a Russian, like, you know, like a, a Russian gangster into the woods and they lose him. And all the while, they also lose their bearings. So you have like this great character study of, of Polly and Christopher in the woods lost while they were on a job. And I haven't seen that episode in shit, I don't know, 20 years, but I remember seeing it then. I mean, like, this is freaking incredible. And it is, it is incredible. I need to revisit that. And it's not really all that hard to come across it because it's on HBO Max, right? Sopranos are on there. So if you haven't seen The Sopranos, you need to jump on that shit because it's the greatest drama ever of all time. And I think that might have been season two, maybe season three, but Pine Barrens. Uh, what do we? What else do we have? Ooh, ooh, uh, Friends. The the episode where no one leaves. Remember, like I think if I recall, Ross had a dinner, and I, I, all I remember is he was dressed in a tux and he was trying to get everybody to come with him, and nobody was ready to leave. Uh, obviously, Rachel. Uh, he and Rachel get in like in a big fight, and then the end of the episode, episode she's in. Uh, She's in pajamas. I believe there's a scenario where Joey and Chandler get in a little argument and then Joey leaves and he comes back wearing all of Chandler's clothes. And then he does a line. Can I be wearing any more clothes? And so you've got that episode where nobody is ready. Right. So the episode where no one's ready. Uh, The Simpsons did one. Well, Simpsons, I guess you can say every single Treehouse of Horror film or Treehouse of Horror film. Every... Simpsons episode of Treehouse of Horror is kind of a, a bottle episode, or maybe not. It's, I guess, more of a standalone. But there was that episode that was kind of like Pulp Fiction-y, and that was like the, the 22 short films about Springfield where they you get like these tiny little vignettes of, of various Springfield residents and kind of like interconnected stories, and they all take place in a single day and has a very, very kind of like Pulp Fiction-y kind of vibe to it. So you had that episode. And then, of course, Mad Men, they, they've done a couple. And in research, the one that I came across was the, the suitcase, which is that famous episode where it's just basically Don and Peggy, and they're trying to crack, not literally crack open, but like crack the, the Samsonite uh, account. And they just kind of have this, this ordeal where they're they're trying to figure it out and you see a little bit of their character study and the dynamics between don draper and peggy now i don't know if i'm like 15 minutes into this i don't know if i'm 10 minutes 10 minutes into this but as you see there's a lot of stuff and i'm not even really talking about my personal top five i'm just trying to think of like some of the the more recognizable ones out there so i'm going to segue into my top five but before i do 
I want this to be an opportunity for you to think about your own like favorite bottle episodes. Because if you've ever watched a show or if you've ever been a fan of a show, that show certainly has had bottle episodes. Um, Chet uh, Frazier has had them. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm sure like Grey's Anatomy have had them. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer did that musical episode, which is kind of a bottle episode, but it's also like a musical episode, which is like its own individual trope anyway. But they go on and on. Uh, X Files. Every season, they seem there seemingly was a bottle episode, right? I remember they did a Christmas episode where it's just like Mulder and Scully in a haunted house, and I think Lily Tomlin and Ed Asner were in it. Uh, there might be something else. By the way, I mean, this is completely unscripted. You're just getting random clang associations from your host. So hopefully, hopefully this isn't complete, a complete waste of time. I'm going to record all this and then just kind of clean up the audio. I'm not even going to listen to this. I'm just going to throw this out into the world and we'll see. Maybe this is a good one. Maybe it's a bad one. I don't know. I think that's kind of the charm of pilot, pilot uh, of bottle episodes and TV shows anyway, because it's just kind of a one-off, you know, right? I mean, if it works, great. If it doesn't, that's okay, because that's not the normal template. So let's talk about my top five. And by the way, you're going to love how this comes full circle into something else I've done on this show, but let, let's get into it. All right, so here are my, 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 my five favorites in no particular order except for how I first thought of them. So um, the first one I'm going to reference is International Assassins, or rather International Assassin. And that was from season two of the HBO show, The Leftovers. Now, if you listen to my previous podcast episode, I reference The Leftovers and what that show is all about. And if you're not familiar, go back, listen to that. I kind of talk about it. But essentially, The Leftovers is where half of the population is gone or a certain percent of the percentage of the population is gone. And it's focuses on those that were left behind and how they cope in the world. And most of this is told through our central protagonist by the, uh, I forget his last name, but I believe his first name is Kevin and it's played by Justin Thoreau who, uh, played the DJ in Zoolander. You know, uh, if you remember that or, uh, Mulholland drive, he was in that he was married to Jennifer Aniston for a short minute. But anyway, in season two, we get a lot of like his internal struggle, like everything that is going on within his own life. And in the episode pre, like leading into this episode, he essentially takes poison and he dies. So our hero dies. This episode, it's not really like a dream episode, even though it kind of is, even though dream episodes is a trope in its own self, right? Like. What is it like the, uh, the the series finale of Newhart or Bob or Bob Newhart or whatever? We find out like everything that had happened in that entire show was a dream, right? But in the case of this, we we see this world where Kevin is kind of in like this very very surreal landscape where he wakes up in a hotel and he opens a closet and there are like four different outfits. Uh, there there's one. Uh, what is it? There, there's like. Um, like priest robes or like, I guess you could say clerical robes, like clerical robes or a, um, a suit or, um, his old police uniform, or 
something that they call in the show, the guilty remnant. So like he would have been one of those like crazy people that don't speak in the show. Well, anyway, he puts on the suit and like, it turns out the suit he's wearing is kind of an international assassin and everybody's out to kill him, but he's been given a mission that he needs to kill Patty who in this dream sequence is running for president. Now Patty on the show is kind of not necessarily like the forces of antagonism, but she is a force of antagonism in the show. She's kind of the, the head honcho of the guilty remnant. And I'm, I, I don't want to go off on a whole like tangent on it, but it's a fucking incredible episode. And if you know the show, you know this episode and it's unreal. All of this to say, if you don't know The Leftovers, you need to go watch it. Certainly the first two seasons. The third season, I really, uh, really enjoyed, but it goes a different direction. But it's a, it's a really, really solid show. So International Assassin episode from The Leftovers is like the end of season two. It's like the penultimate episode. Great, great bottle episode. Um, what else do I want to think about? Ooh, uh, switch gears to go from something heady into something kind of funny. The... You guys remember uh, the TV show Community? Now, Community was really, really notorious for doing these kind of trope episodes and bottle episodes were really, really big on them. I think there was an episode where they did like everything like in claymation. So I guess you can say that's like it. That's kind of a bottle episode. But the one I'm thinking of, <laughs> my throat gurgled. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is an episode called Remedial Chaos Theory. And in this episode, Abed and Troy invite everybody over for like a dinner party and essentially it's a dinner party, but it's really a game to play Yahtzee. So the doorbell rings and it's a pizza guy and nobody wants to get the pizza. So um, Joel McHale's character, I can't believe I forgot his name. He says, we'll, we'll roll a die. And based on the number that the die goes from left to right, that'll be the person who answers the door. Abed says, well, you realize by doing that, you're creating six different timelines. So in this episode, you get six different timelines. Well, actually, you get seven different timelines of what happens when that person's number draws, who goes down to answer the door, and what happens and what the chaos that ensues in, in the bedroom. And it all takes place in the bedroom, in the apartment. And it all takes place in one apartment for the entire episode. And if you've ever seen the show, then you know that the characters are completely crazy and every different little timeline that they create is, uh, is just filled with lunacy. Another like, um, bottle episode they did was they, they did kind of like, uh, my dinner with Andre, but in that one, I think it was like my dinner with Troy. No, it was my dinner with, again, whatever Joel McHale's characters and shit. I can't remember that. I, re I remember all these plot lines, but I can't remember everybody's character. Uh, anyway, uh, so remedial chaos theory, freaking, freaking hysterical. Uh, what's another one? Oh, my third one that I want to talk about. Now, I love this. I don't know if I loved it a ton when I first saw it, but it certainly has grown on me. And it's one of the, the one of the most polarizing episodes of, of, of bottle episodes. And that is the episode fly from breaking bad. Now I keep saying bottle. And I'm looking at this, uh, this bottle of scotch that I've got right here. I'm going to have a little sip from uh, the dram here. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an art bag, if you are curious. So bear with me. I'm going to have a little sip of my drink before I, I talk a little bit about Breaking Bad's episode of Fly. And then I've got something else coming for you. 
how is this? In a little sidebar, is this okay? You guys enjoying this? I mean, I might be speaking fast. I mean, this might be terrible audio. I don't know. You'll have to let me know in the comments. Okay. So Fly was literally a bottle episode in like the classic way in which there were major, major budget restraints. They couldn't, they can, couldn't do what they wanted to. They were like 35, 50 grand over budget for what was going on the season. So they had to do some, something different. They weren't able to move trucks to different locations. Um, so they came up with an episode where they were going to have Walt and Jesse in a single location. So they put them in their, their little meth lab. And as a result of it, what we got was a really, really deep look at well, how our two characters fucking hate each other. But you saw the beginning steps for where the show is going to go, right? So we saw up until this point, uh, Walter White slash Heisenberg, you know, he, he was growing a little bit sure of himself, growing a little bit unsure of everybody else. But this one really leans into his paranoia. And Jesse, until this point, had really been a lot of a junkie, you know, it had been a not a bit of a junk. He was a junkie and he was kind of like skimming uh, some of the drugs and he was selling and giving away to like his buddies. But in this episode, we, we see beginning frameworks of where the arcs essentially would go. We would see that Walt would go become increasingly more unhinged and power hungry. And then we would see Jesse kind of recoil a little bit and have like his moment where where Walt like broke bad, Jesse kind of like broke good. So this was kind of that moment in that episode where they 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 just hung out in their meth lab or they were obsessed or rather Walt was really obsessed with this this fly and and what it what it meant. We also saw where the relationship of Gus and Walt would go from here. So you had that. Now I mentioned like this episode was very, very polarizing and divisive. And the reason was critics loved it. And the fans weren't entirely sure because when this episode came out, season three of Breaking Bad, I mean, it was at its peak. A lot of shit had happened in season three. Like Jesse had gotten his ass whooped by Hank. Um, I'm, I'm using all these character names on this show and all these other shows, you know, assuming that you know what the hell I'm talking about. If you don't, Maybe this entices you to watch these other shows, but I'm assuming you know the, the general framework for what these shows are all about, right? So Breaking Bad is a story of this chemi chemistry teacher that gets diagnosed with cancer, and he decides to make a lot of money for his family. So he turns to becoming a uh, a meth uh, <laughs> um, a uh, uh, a meth maker manufacturer. I don't know. If, uh, dealer, whatever. Um, I'm not, I'm not good with drugs. Um, but basically he, he builds his own meth lab and he just grows and grows and grows into more power. And he's kind of turned into it by one of his former students, uh, Jesse Pinkman, who is kind of like the, the drug addict with a heart of gold. And from each season, the stakes grow higher and higher and higher and higher until where it leads to like it's fever pitch. But anyway, Halfway through the show, or halfway through the series, rather, there was this episode called Fly, and it was not an episode of levity, 
but it was a pause. It literally was just kind of like a step back where we were just going to give you an hour of the two main characters. And there were a couple other extras in it, but nobody else. But people were very, very pissed when it came off because they wanted to know what was going to happen with Hank. They wanted to know what was going to happen with Jesse. They wanted to know what was going on between the, the dynamics of Gus and Wald. So it came in a moment where there was a lot of intense shit happening. And a lot of people were turned off by it. Now, it received a lot of acclaim, uh, nominated for awards. I don't know if that episode won anything, but it was a big turning point. And uh, the, yeah, so that episode of Fly. One of my favorites. Like I said, I, I didn't love it initially, but after like review and the more I thought about it and as the uh, series progressed, it's grown on me. Now, one episode of a different show that never really needed the time to grow on me, but I recently rediscovered how much I loved it was from an HBO show. It's called Barry. It's current. It's about to start its season three here in just a couple of days. So if you're listening to this, this weekend, and I say this weekend, if you're listening to this uh, 22nd or 23rd or 24th, it's literally uh, premiering on Sunday, April 24th on HBO. So check that out, but don't do that until you actually watch the first uh, two seasons. Now, the episode I want to refer to does take place in season two. It's an episode called Ronnie slash Lily or Ronnie Lily. And if you don't know what this show is, it's essentially the, the show of a hitman from Cleveland. Well, it started off, he was a like a marksman in the military, the Marines, and he gets out and he becomes a hitman. But his heart's never really into it. He's really good at it, but that's not what he wants. And he goes to L.A. for a job and the, the job to essentially kill somebody. And the, the person he's supposed to kill is a would-be actor that's in an improv troupe. And our, our hero, Barry, decides that he wants to be an actor. So he, he's essentially a hitman moonlighting as an actor. And he's a really great hitman, not a really good actor. But in season two, where, again, there's escalating drama, some little parallels to that episode of Fly on uh, Breaking Bad, we have a moment of just a step back where... We think our hero's in deep shit because a cop figures out that he's a hitman. And we're like, oh, well, Barry's, Barry's screwed now. They're going to arrest him. But no, the cop says, I want you, I want to hire you to kill my wife's, or my, rather my ex-wife's current lover. If you do that, all, everything is going to go away. And so this episode is the, the story of Barry telling this cop's uh, ex-wife's lover, like, hey, I'm supposed to kill you, but I'm not going to kill you. I just need you to get out of town. I'll figure it out. Just you need to go. And the guy takes it very, very chill. And he's like, hey, just pack your bags, get out of here. And the guy's like, all right, sure, whatever. No big deal. He's just like smoking a blunt. No big deal. We go into the next room and we find out the guy is like a Taekwondo expert and he's got multiple black belts in different things. And Barry's like, oh, fuck. And then a fight ensues and Barry gets his ass whooped. And but he gets a lucky shot and fortunately breaks the windpipe of this guy, Ronnie. All right. Well, problem solved. I guess I killed a guy, even though I didn't want to kill a guy, because, again, he's really good at killing. But he has no interest in doing that. 
and he's leaving. And as he leaves, he opens the door and then in walks the guy, Ronnie, his daughter, his daughter by the name of Lily. And he's like, oh, fuck. And as a viewer, if you've ever seen, what is it? Uh, Kill Bill, you get that, that, that sense of like, oh, this is like strong Kill Bill vibes going on here. And like, oh, he's going to say, hey, you know, if you ever, uh, if you feel bad about this when you get older, you know, come find me. Like, like I said, like Kill Bill, you get that, that sense of it. But no, 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 no. Lily herself is a Taekwondo fucking expert. And she beats the shit out of Barry. She stabs him in the back a few times. He wrestles her off her and she jumps out the window and he goes into uh, his car with uh, his buddy uh, Fuchs. I say his buddy, but anyway, um, different conversation altogether. But he's like, hey, man, you got to you got to get me to a hospital. And Fuchs is like, no, 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 we can't get you to a hospital. Um, you know, too many questions. But hey, at least we get, got rid of the job. You know, I'm sorry that guy stabbed me. He's like, oh, well, it wasn't the guy. It was his daughter. It's like, oh, man, I, I know almost how bad that must have been to like kill a girl. It's like, no, I didn't kill her. And Fuchs is like, what do you mean you didn't kill her? So then the, the next half of the episode, they're trying to chase this like 11, 12 year old girl to encourage her to get into the automobile which of course she's not going to do uh or well she does and then she bites fuchs in the face and um oh before all that happens he's bleeding and so what are we going to do how are we going to close up the wound well he tries to super glue the the bloody wound close and and when i say he i'm talking about fuchs but fuchs because he's an idiot of a boss He's holding the steering wheel and he's super, he's super glues his hands to the steering wheel. And again, this is freaking farcical and it's hysterical. And again, if you, if you listen or watch uh, my watch parties on stream lounge, I, I did this episode and it was, oh my God, it was so much fun. But anyway, um, all of this to say is where the show of Barry focuses everybody on the troop and what they're all trying to do and the different uh, relationships building and escalating. This was an, a step back of an episode where we just focus on Barry and Fuchs trying to do a job, something that we've never really seen in this show, but everything escalates and escalates and escalates. And I'm not going to spoil it because you need to watch this because I'm willing to bet that many people that are listening to this haven't seen Barry you really need to it is just some really really great great drama great comedy and um yeah the 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 origin of this they actually uh bill Hader, who directed this episode by the way he said he got a lot of the inspiration from that that uh that pine barons episode of the sopranos who by the way that that episode was directed by steve buscemi one of my favorite fucking actors of all time but anyway um ronnie lily Huge, huge episode. Check it out. TV show, Barry. Now, I've talked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of different television shows over the past half hour, I'm guessing. I don't know. It's all really irrelevant. But now, I'm bringing it back to a little TV show that we've talked about, that we've we've, uh, mentioned before, and that would be Ted Lasso. So a half hour into this episode, I'm now going to reference season two, episode nine of Barry, Beard After Hours. Now, if you were a fan of this show, that you should, uh, you probably know that I've covered season two of, of Ted Lasso, but I stopped. I, I stopped after the Manchester City episode, not because I got bored, not because I got tired of it, 
But again, if you, you've been following the show from the moment the calendar struck November, my, my world has been a little bit different and I just didn't really have it in my heart to do episode breakdown after episode breakdown. So I needed some time uh, for reflection, but I think now it's a natural segue. So here we are beard after hours, episode nine, season two, Ted Lasso. Now, where do I want to go? <sighs> well, let me just say, this is my favorite episode of Ted Lasso, and it's not even arguable. Now, I may have said that on different episodes in the past, but I really, really mean that now, and I'll tell you why. It's not just because this, this episode takes a nod at Martin, Scor- uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, 1985 film, After Hours, and it's not because Tyrion Reese in the episode, which he is in, that certainly doesn't hurt. And it's not because the, the soundtrack on this episode is fucking killer. And you've got like 10 absolute bangers in this episode, includes, including songs from uh, uh, Blur. Um, uh, just to think of one, Edward McCain, like Girl Like You, uh, is, on, is in this as well. Um, shit, there's a lot of stuff. And, but anyway. The reason why I love the show and the reason why this is my favorite show is because we had a close look at one of the most important characters on the show, but also one of the least developed characters in the show. And that's fucking Coach Beard, right? The the yang to um, Ted Lasso's yin. I know I've said that about different characters, but like it's his best friend, but he's like the, the other side of the coin, right? He's the, the tail side of the quarter. Now we get a look at what happens to coach beard after the devastating loss that that uh, afc richmond had at the hands of manchester city so we we get a close look at at coach beard and obviously coach beard is dealing with a lot of shit right he's dealing with the breakup of of his girlfriend jane he's dealing with uh well the the rising power of the other assistant coaches and some of his ideas not necessarily getting recognition uh, from from Ted Lasso. So you, you have some of that little bit of an internal struggle. But so this episode is everything that happens after the game. So he he leaves a team and he uh, it starts with him being in like in the subway or the tube or whatever the hell they call it, and uh, he's making faces at at a kid. He goes to May's pub and he runs into the super fans and. They're like, oh man, sorry about the game. It's like, dude, we can we can hang out, we can talk, but we're not going to talk about the game. Um, and what I love, what I love, love, love about that episode is there's this great, great bit of dialogue on. Um, and I don't even know the name of the character, but one of the super fans is like, how do you cope knowing the universe is infinite, but your consciousness can end in a single second, a uh, single second. And they'll kind of look, look at the guy and think about that. And I thought about that as well. And I don't know if that's a deep question. I don't know. I don't know how to process it, but coach beard had a really fun answer on the question itself. But anyway, so we, we see the four of them just go on a journey. They go, they, they go clubbing and, and then we just see coach beard go through this, this misadventure of, uh, his, uh, his pants splitting, he goes to this, this woman's house and she's like a seamstress, but she takes pants from people and 
her lover shows up and he escapes. Oh, by the way, the, the, the actress, I think her character's name is Mary, but, um, my God, uh, what is it? Charlotte Spencer is the name of the actress. Just absolutely gorgeous. But anyway, uh, he, he escapes and he runs into Jamie Tart's father who he had just beat up in the, the previous episode. Well, he gets his ass kicked. But the guy who's dating Mary, he shows up and he beats the hell out of Jamie Tart's dad and his buddies. And it turns out he, he's, he's not really interested in kicking the shit out of Coach Beard. He just wants to give him his keys because in every scene, Coach Beard drops his keys. Every scene, we also see a blue moon. I think there are like six different shots of blue moons in the episode. Um, three or four different times, uh, Coach Beard uh, drops his keys. But anyway, now... To bring it back, I mentioned like the super fans. What I also love about this show is it's a, it's a it's a it's a show really made by fans. Coach Beard himself is a huge huge soccer fan. He's actually a fan of uh, my favorite team, Arsenal. If you've ever listened to an episode with John and I, you know I love my Arsenal. And he he's built super fan, or rather, you know, he and Jason Sudeikis have built super fans into the show where they themselves are super fans. And in this episode, we get one of the ultimate Arsenal players, one of the ultimate football legends in Thierry Henry, who's a a French player, one of the greatest players ever. And he, uh, he acts alongside Gary Lineker, who is an English. I'm not sure if he's English or Welsh. I'm fairly, I'm fairly certain he's English, but uh, Gary Lineker, who's another famous footballer, but they're kind of playing. They're really the only fake entity in this episode where everything else is very real. Gary Lineker and Thierry Henry are kind of like this dream kind of like state vibe, but they're hysterical. It, you know, they're, they're, they're actual football pundits in their, their retired careers, but they're, they also made pretty good, funny versions of themselves. Now, uh, where, where am I? Um, anyway, Long story short, you just go through Coach Beard's adventure and misadventure while dealing with the fact that he's bummed about his team and he's bummed about his breakup. And he and his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, they're kind of estranged, but she's been blowing his phone up and he lost his phone and he feels really bummed because he loves her. And it's the only girl that uh, that he's ever loved. And he said that she he loved her and she didn't say anything. But in these texts, she says that she loves him. And this is all very, very important because if you remember in previous recaps, we learned that the, the Jane Coach Beard relationship is very, very flawed. And, and we don't know if they're right for each other. But in that moment, when he sees that, that she loves him and he's missed all these texts, you see that he's just brokenhearted and he goes into a, he goes into a church, which flashback earlier in the episode she goes she mentions she's going to a club and there's like a cross and we see the same cross so we kind of get this idea that oh maybe he's he's showing up in the same club that she is but is she going to be there he goes into the club and he's kind of looking around but this is one of like the best elements of the entire best moments of the entire show is because we get hello the um uh that song by uh was also used in girls like 10 years earlier but what we get in this moment is one of like the the finest like five minutes that the show has ever had because we see that um we, we get a great moment between jane who is at the club 
I keep saying Jane. I'm fairly confident her name is Jane, right? Is it Jane? Shit. Fuck. Um, I'm fairly confident it's Jane. I just want to say her last name is Payne. Is that right? Is her name Jane Payne? That can't be. Anyway, uh, I apologize. I may be completely off my rocker. Anyway, 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 I've, I've gotten a little sidetracked. But the point that I'm trying to make is we see this great, great editing, great moment of the song Hello. But what I haven't even mentioned is fucking Coach Beard can crush it on the dance floor. Like his, his moves are um, completely unhinged. Um, just a lot of swinging arms and elbows and fists and and it's chaotic. And then Jane shows up and she hands him, hands him a hula hoop and he starts hula hooping. And then he goes like, like, to like the center stage and he fucking crushes it. And he's like very, very rhythmic and it's awesome. And it's just a really great, great moment from, uh, from the actor whose name is fucking escaping me right now. I've been yapping at you for like, I don't know, like five hours at this point. I have no idea, but all of that is to say, that every element of this episode works for me and it's just such great enthusiasm. And there's just, it's a vibe, you know what I mean? Like this episode is just a total, total vibe. And I fundamentally loved season one. Like it's a reason why I came back for season two. It's a reason why I did a whole like episode or rather season one recap. It's a reason why I've done episode recaps of season two, because it was all built on my love for season one. Now I've enjoyed season two. I think there have been good episodes and I think there've been kind of meh episodes, but this episode like just re-sparked my enjoyment for the show. So I'm, I'm curious to see where these final three episodes go. Cause I haven't, I still haven't seen it. Like you're listening to this. I still don't know how season two of Ted Lasso ends. I've kind of like avoided it like the plague because I didn't want to know. I wanted us to go through this together. But I got to tell you, like Coach After Hours is freaking great. So let me let me just wrap this up because uh, I've, I've usually done kind of like episode highlights on uh, these other recaps. Now, one of my like highlights is that moment where Coach Beard is with like his super fans and they're at this place called, uh, what is it, Bones and Honey? And they they saunter into this place with these clothes that they had gotten from may and um the super fans are, are are challenging these oxford guys to a game of pool and coach beard shows up with like this this funky uh irish accent where he's got like I don't, what was his name it was like professor declan patrick aloysius mcmanus and he's got this really funny irish accent but they're, they're, they're kind of talking, you get the sense of kind of like goodwill hunting where it's just kind of like that, that whole idea of what was it? Um, the, uh, the Vicar speech, if you remember, was it like page 98 or something like that. Um, so you get that, that kind of vibe. And so that was one of my highlights and, uh, the, the, um, the super fans beat, uh, the, the Oxford dude. So, yay. Um, obviously I mentioned Tyrion Ree, he, he crushed it. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Oh, there was an Easter egg moment. I can't remember what point, but coach beard is like leaving. Oh, he's leaving. I think he's leaving a hotel, right? Because he tried to use a phone and the guy would let him use a phone. So he's walking out the home of, uh, out the hotel and he like uses his arms to kind of like Jedi, like Jedi force, uh, these sliding doors open. 
And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on any other episodes, but I can't help but do that every time. And I know I'm a super fucking nerd, but every time I go into like a grocery store, before I get to the door, I'll kind of like use my fingers and like hands to kind of like Jedi force the sliding, uh, sliding doors to open as if I'm like willing them you know, kind of like a Jedi. I don't know. I'm 43 and I still do that. I've been doing that since I was, I don't know, three. So yeah, 40 years, no big deal. Anyway, uh, every time I go into a, a door with a sliding, like electronic, like sliding glass doors, I do that. So that was a, like a big, big moment for me. Uh, let me think, let me, I mentioned the soundtrack, which I really, really enjoyed. Hmm. Is there anything else? Coach Beard can hula hoop like a motherfucker. That's all I need to say about that. Um, but yeah, just pound for pound. This episode was just tits, right? I mean, the editing was great. The lighting, uh, Coach Beard's journey, the music, virtually everything. And um, and again, Thierry Henry. I know I've said it like four times, but yay, Arsenal. Anyway, so there you go. Just a Just a beautiful bobble episode. And... Those are five of my favorites in addition to five others that I referenced. So yeah, uh, thank you for listening to a Stamper Cinema Bottle episode. Hopefully this wasn't completely insane. And if it is, be nice to your host. (laughs) Um, But either way, thank you very much for listening. You will see us again next week unless I get canceled uh, with a, with a regular scheduled episode, we'll be covering Batman with uh, John Rell. And unless that, that fails and I'm have to do another bottle episode, but again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. And again, I've, I've said in other episodes, life is hard out there, you know, give, give somebody you love a hug, let them know that they're important you know, take time to appreciate those that are around you because, you know, time, you know, life is unpredictable. You never know. And, uh, as the shit, you know, as the, the, the guy said in this, this episode of, um, Ted Lasso, I mean, how do you cope knowing the universe is infinite, but your consciousness can end in a second. And it's true. We don't know how long we're going to be around. So appreciate every minute that you've got, appreciate everyone around you and listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, subscribing to my podcast. I can't do this without your help. Tell your friends, tell your family, encourage people to subscribe, leave likes, reviews, comments, all that fun stuff. And um, I'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema. Bye everybody.